0: helping do all this. Thanks so much. Um, welcome back if you've been uh, here before and a very special welcome to you. If this is your first time or one of your first times at RUF, I'm really grateful um, that you're here. And as you heard, I'm also new here. And so I'm entering into a strong freshman status with many of you. And so I stand in solidarity with first year students and not knowing where anything is um, and why some doors are randomly locked and where the bathrooms are. Who knows? I'm um, really glad to be here. Um, we, we meet uh, each week in this space, and I know that if you're kind of new to this space, it feels like there's a lot of people here, and it's very energetic, and so you might feel like you have to be a very energetic person to belong in this space. And what um, we're hoping God will do, especially as the semester goes on and things get crazier than they are right now, and you feel burdened down with everything Is we hope that whether you're coming here or you're coming to a small group or freshman fellowship, that you feel like this can be a place that you can rest, that you can actually take a break from all the demands uh, throughout your week and sort of belong here and just exist. And um, as I was thinking about what uh, the Lord might want to say to us tonight and sort of where to to go in Scripture. I've actually been like wondering all week as I'm new to this and I see the life that you guys are entering into. um, I'm like, what could Jesus have to say from the Bible? That's really compelling because guys, this is an extremely beautiful place. Um, I'm arriving here and like this place is alluring, like it's intoxicating in a lot of ways. Like you want to be here. It's beautiful. It's nice. Like the food in the pit is really good. I I know that that just seems like normal. Let's give it up for the pit. Thank you, Akil, for bringing that pit energy from the back. Um, I will just tell you that the food in the pit is not normal dining hall food. It is very, very good. But you guys, are, you guys are beautiful and capable and fun. Yesterday we had a barbecue, and on the way home, one of my daughters couldn't stop talking about how amazing everybody is and how much she enjoys talking to everyone, and she can talk about classes and talk about where they're from and talk about their favorite animal, and everyone's amazing. And I feel like that, too. And... Um, I I find myself thinking, like, if we get up and talk about the Bible, it's going to feel a little bit flat in comparison to your real life. Um, And maybe that was you. Maybe you grew up in, like, a church situation, and you're like, what they were saying in church never felt as real as what was going on in my real life. Um, But this passage kept coming to mind, and I wanted to share it with you. It's actually my favorite passage in the Scripture. And... Um, yeah, it's in the book of Ephesians, which is a letter It's in the second chapter. And I think this is a good summary of the life that Jesus invites us to and what I hope that you'll experience even in this community. So I'm going to read here from Ephesians chapter two, verse one through 10. You don't have to follow along anywhere if you don't want to, but it's in the handout. And I want to just invite us to a moment of quiet and settling before we hear the word. Um that we would anticipate that something beautiful is going to be said. Whether we're really used to hearing the Bible or this is new, just take a moment and let your spirit settle. Jesus, thank you for the sweetness of a shared moment of quiet together. Lord, speak to us now. We pray from your word. Amen. This is the word of the living God from Ephesians 2. The Apostle Paul writes this. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. He raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing is the gift of God not a result of works so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship for we are his workmanship you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them god's word amen let's pray oh lord thank you so much Um, thank you for the opportunity to gather in this place just so easy to love and lord thank you for gathering together these sisters and brothers into this space to share a time together of song of laughter and of hearing from you and lord we pray that you would help us to hear from you Lord, that you would help us to reach out to you from the inside, from deep in our hearts, to hear you, to draw near to you. Lord, I thank you that throughout this room, Lord, there are as many stories in this room as there are people. And each of us have our own way of thinking about you or not or relating to you. And Lord, you are the one who can speak to each of us and draw us to you. So I pray that you would do that. Pray, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. So the reason why I wanted to share this passage with you is because this is a passage which is about grace. Grace is the way that God relates to us and the way that he calls us to relate to each other. It's actually the thing that makes everything go, even though it doesn't always seem like that. And um, when we had a barbecue last night, uh, several people said to me, hey, this is great. Great job. And I was like, literally all I did was carry buns over here. Um, Slayton, our intern, and and, uh, Gracie, and so many other people did all the work to make this amazing thing happen. And I was getting the compliments, and I was receiving them with much gladness. Um, (laughs) You're welcome, everybody. But how do you feel when someone compliments you on something that you didn't really work hard to earn? How does that feel to you? When someone's like, hey, that was amazing, and you're like, I actually didn't really do a whole lot. Isn't like one of the first things that you do is you say, like, you try to deflect it, like, ah, that wasn't, yeah, I really didn't do very much. Um, If I'm going to get praised, probably like you, I want it to be because I worked really hard and accomplished something and feel successful. It feels a little bit yucky when you get complimented for something you didn't do. And, uh... The the feeling of getting praised when you've actually earned the praise is something that I would imagine each of you felt when you got that fateful acceptance letter to the Wake Forest University. You felt like, because you didn't get in here by accident. Some of y'all feel like you might have got in here by accident, but I assure you, you did not. There are plenty of people that get paid lots of money to make sure you didn't get in here by accident. Okay. Okay. Thomas Peterson told me that he found out that he got into a Wake Forest. You didn't know you were getting mentioned tonight, TP, but here we are. Just as he was about to sing the national anthem at his high school. And it just took him to another level of euphoria. (laughs) Because when we earn something, it feels good and we want the praise for it. When we get something that we didn't earn, it can make us feel a little bit yucky. And what Jesus is inviting us to, me and you too, is to a life where whether we earn something or not is irrelevant. Where you can live a life that is free from whether or not you earned the accolades, whether you succeeded or failed. He offers a way of living that makes earning irrelevant. And I hope that if if you come into this place or places like it throughout your time at Wake Forest, you will hear again and again this message that with Jesus, you don't have to earn anything. And a couple of things just as we meditate on this passage together. um, The first is this, because I know some people like to take notes. So I don't, but you are free to. Life with Jesus is free. free because of his effort, because of what he has earned. Look, look in the passage with me again, or just hear it again, starting in verse 4. Listen to how much God's love and his delight is on display. As, you're, as we're hearing this again, think, God wants to set me free. And hear how he says that. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And he raised us up into heaven and seated us with Jesus in the heavenly places that we can't even imagine. And listen to this. So that in the coming ages, so for forever, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us. Uh, You may have grown up hearing that Jesus saves people and takes people to an eternal life with him. And you may sometimes wonder why. Why does he want to do that? Isn't like maybe just like a thousand years enough to get across anything that I might want to know from Jesus? He has immeasurable kindness that he wants to spend eternity showing to you because he loves you. And he wants to show it to you forever forever. The more that you explore Jesus, if you read the Gospels, I know in some of the Bible studies this semester we're going to be looking at these accounts of Jesus' life. And even if you read them a thousand times, each time what you find in this Jesus is someone who was so free to love fully. Because he wasn't worried about earning anything from his father, about succeeding or failing. He was free to love he challenged when it was loving. He wept when it was loving. He reached out his hand when it was loving. He is love. That's who you will find. His life is love. His death was love. And his resurrection is love. And he offers us a free life in him. Because he actually pays for us. And the, the question that um, I think that you have, if you think if you spend some time thinking honestly about yourself, but we can start at the world. Some of you guys have studied abroad. You've been, into, you've been to Europe. You've seen the beautiful things in Europe. And you're like, wow, I can't believe people could actually make these spaces. We went to Maine, which is not in Europe. Um, <laughs> but it's almost in Canada, which is almost the same thing. And um, it's like American Europe. And, um, and I just couldn't believe how beautiful this place was. But then you also think about things that are happening in Europe right now. And you're like, how can we be both simultaneously so beautiful and so ugly at the same time? We think about about ourselves. Recognize that. And the question is, why can't we love fully like Jesus does, despite our best effort, despite how much we try? And that's part of what this scripture shows to us and, and reveals to us. My wife, when she was in high school, she's here. What's up, girl? Um, she's a really cute one with the gray hair in the back. Um, unless there's multiple cute people in the back with the gray hair, in which it's just the one. Um, but my wife had this friend in high school, and this really intense thing happened to them. She was uh, her friend was riding in the back seat of a car, and uh, her friend was in the passenger seat. Her high school friend, and her friend's dad was driving. Okay, they were driving on I eighty three in rural Pennsylvania. Um, and as they were driving about 65, 70 miles an hour, her friend's dad, who was driving the car, had a massive heart attack and died on the spot, Okay, which is awful. But there are two really bad things happening in that moment. One is that someone just died very suddenly. And number two is that the car is still traveling 65 or 70 miles per hour on the highway. And the daughter in the passenger she obviously is overcome. She can't figure out what's going on. She's shaking her dad. She's totally, you can only imagine the state that she's in. But they were barreling down I-83 at 70 miles per hour. And the, Paul, who wrote this letter, when he talks about what, it's, what it means to be a human being and to have a human nature, he talks about our nature like it's that car. That it's flying down the highway at 70 miles per hour. And despite anybody's best effort to pilot that car, to get it where it needs to go, to be safe, to be saved, there's nothing that can be done. I'll finish the story in a minute, just so you know. I hate that when people's talking and they don't finish the story. But look what he says he, in the beginning of this passage. He says, we were dead. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked You were following the course of this world, the prince of the power of the air. And he says, we all lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. Part of what Paul is saying is that in our nature and what it means to be a human being, that you are this beautiful creature that is capable of amazing things. And simultaneously in our nature, we are so often bent away from love. And what I mean by that is, you know how it really feels good to nurse a grudge against a professor, against a roommate, against a parent, and to imagine if you could finally say to them what they need to hear, what it would be. You know, you're taking a shower and it just flows freely into your mind how you would tell that person off. But what doesn't flow freely through our minds, <laughs> flow freely to our minds is how could I speak a word of encouragement to that person the next time I see them? (laughs) That doesn't come up easily. Um, Have you ever tried, if you're a person that works really hard to try to make people like you, have you ever tried to stop? Have you ever tried to just show up in a social encounter and be like, I'm not going to worry if anybody in here likes me. Just the impossibility of that. But how easy it is to fall into, I want people to notice me. Or you ever notice how easy it is to let your mind wander about that person sitting in front of you in econ? Yes, that person. About what they may be like outside of econ. (laughs) But you know what's really difficult is being patient. What's really difficult that doesn't seem to come naturally to us is being self-controlled. There's something in our nature. And what the Bible is saying is that that inability to love well is what the Bible calls sin. And you're like, I didn't come to RUF the first freaking week of school. and This guy's going to talk to me about sin. But there's something so beautifully liberating in finding out that this is something that is true about all of us. And it's something in our nature. We are trapped in that nature, like that car flying down I-83. But here's what happened. I told you I was going to finish the story the girl in the back seat had the presence of mind to dive into the front seat over her friend's dad and grab the wheel, be able to hit the brakes and to pilot the car safely off the road and call 911. And what Jesus is telling us in this passage is that he has dove over the front seat of death and sin and that thing that is within us, that to destroy it would to be destroy us he has dove into that front seat and has actually been able to steer us to safety. Because God doesn't say Jesus just makes us better. He doesn't say he gets rid of our sin problem. What he says is that you were dead and that now Jesus makes you alive. And I know that some of y'all have experienced that. You've experienced that even in the last year or two. And some of you are beginning to experience that, that suddenly you feel that you are alive to God. And the things that he has to say are compelling to you. Jesus takes us from death to life. So if it's the case that Jesus invites us into a life that's free because of what he has done at the cross to take our sin and his resurrection to give us new life. And that we can't love well despite our best effort. Where does that leave our effort? Because I'm looking at a room of extremely capable people who do amazing things already. Just to get into this place, you had to accomplish amazing and beautiful things. And you should be celebrated well for that. Where does that leave our efforts? Um, I'm a big fan of Kendrick Lamar, who is the greatest prophet of our age. <laughs> and that's not a joke. Um, he just is, and I'm very happy to talk to you about that over coffee. Um, But on Good Kid, Mad City, which is a historic record by any accounting, there is a song in there called Sing About Me, I'm Dying of Thirst. And throughout the whole album, I'm saying this to you like you haven't listened to Good Kid, Mad City. You probably have. Um, But in case you haven't, throughout the album, it traces the story of some young men. And uh, one of their friends is shot and killed. And um, at the end of Sing About Me, I'm Dying of Thirst, the two men... Are expressing how frustrated, or angry they are, that they need to go out now and kill in response to this death, and they're so tired, tired of running. And this old woman speaks to them, and it's actually the most legendary of all legends at Wake Forest, the Dr. Maya Angelou. And she speaks to them, and she says, Why are you young men so angry? You're dying of thirst. That's basically what Paul is saying we're dying of thirst. And then she leads them through this prayer to surrender their life to Jesus. It's a beautiful moment. And my, but my favorite part is at the end, she goes, all right now. Remember this day, the start of a new life, your real life. And there's a track called Real and it's a banger. Okay. <laughs> this, is what, this is what I want you to leave with tonight. It's there in verse 10. Jesus is inviting you into a new life, your real life, when he says that you, if your faith is in Jesus, are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That Jesus invites you to a life where he makes you his master work and he gives you good works that he already prepared. And all he says is, I want you to walk in them. I want you to give all of your effort. I want you to use all of your beauty and gifts and skills. I want you to grow them and develop them. And I want you to use them and you don't have to earn anything. And I've even set up all the good works for you. And it reminds me of a story that you have probably heard me say, but i love to tell I'm going to tell it one more time. My boss is here, Jason. Jason, you know a friend of ours named Ricky? I do. Yep. Okay. This is a story about Ricky. Okay. Ricky's from Arkansas. All right. Anybody here from Arkansas? All right, let's go. Woo pig. All right. Um, what part of Arkansas are we from? Little Rock. Hmm? Rock. Little Rock. Same? Little Rock. Okay. Don't you feel like it'd just be like, this better if it was this rock? Or big rock? Yeah. Um, Ricky is from Arkansas. And he grew up with all brothers. Okay. And he was the youngest. And one year he made his whole family drawings for Christmas because they didn't have a lot of money. It's very sweet. It's very sweet. And after all the Christmas presents were opened and all the paper had been thrown away, all of Ricky's drawings that he made for his three brothers and his dad were in the trash. Okay? Because little brothers, they don't care about your drawings and dad isn't paying attention anyway. Okay? But there was one drawing that was not in the trash. And that was the drawing he made for his mama. Okay. Now, Ricky decided in that moment, next year, none of the other people in my family are even getting a Christmas present from me because they don't deserve it. But my mom is getting something nice. So he held on to that thought. He was six years old. And um, hand up if you're six. No, there's seven. Rosie, seven. You're seven. Let's go, Rosie. And um, about October, he went to his mom and said, Hey, Mom, have you noticed anything out there in the wide world that you might like? For Christmas and she said well at Kmart which was 30 minutes away um, do you guys even know about Kmart it's like a precursor to Walmart but trashier and um, uh, it's like the Dollar Tree to the Dollar General and um, she said I've noticed these earrings at Kmart and he's like cool 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 how much do they cost she's like they cost ten dollars He's like, great, man, that's awesome. He's seven or six. Hey, just really unrelated. Do you know how I might be able to get any money? Um, I'm looking for 10. dollars. <laughs> and she said, uh, "Well, we have these sticks in the front yard. I need them moved uh, across the street, which was about from here to the other side of the green room." He's like, "Cool, cool, cool, cool. I'm on it." So he picks up the sticks. His six-year-old arms, his little arms. And he carries them and just drops them across the street. Clearly a job that didn't need to be done. Uh, and he says, cool, she gives him the 10 bucks. He's like, hey, just, um, when do you think it's the next time you're going to Kmart? Um, <laughs> and she says, well, you know, I was going to go this weekend. How about me and you just go together? And she gives him the $10 and they go to Kmart's a 30 minute drive. She drives, he's in the back. No car seats in these days, by the way. And everyone was fine. Um, <laughs> this is more of a me and my wife conversation why can't they ride on the hood it's just from the pool um, and she goes and, and he's like show me those earrings and she shows them and then she kind of walks away and he gets the earrings and they get some stuff and then they go to check out and he's like I got some of my own stuff back here don't worry about it and uh, they check out and he rides back home with his bag from Kmart and uh, he gets home and he's like I'm going to wrap it. But y'all, some people can't wrap gifts. And I don't know a six-year-old alive that can wrap gifts. I'm 38 and I can't do it. And so he's trying to wrap it and he wants it to be just right. And he's just like, ugh, that sucks. Okay. So he takes the gift to his mom. Mom, I need this box wrapped. (laughs) And she's like, oh, cool. What's in it? He's like, nothing. It's irrelevant what's in it. And so she wraps it, but she reuses the gold, gold paper. I and mean, you know, some people they can fold it just right. It's like a nice crease on the side, right? She did that, a little box. She put ribbon around it, and then she used the scissors to, you know, make the curls, six inch ribbon curls. She made the curls, she made it beautiful, like she got it from the store. And she gave it back to him. And he said, thanks. And he put it under the tree. Christmas morning came around. This is a longer story than I anticipated. Um, <laughs> should have cut out some of the other stuff. Uh, But uh, Christmas morning comes around, and everyone comes downstairs. And kids always want to open gifts first, not this Christmas, not for Ricky. Ricky wanted to give the first gift this Christmas. And he said, I'm giving the first gift. Losers, sit down. I only have a gift for Mama. And he takes the gift and gives it to this mom. Now, to summarize, to recap, um, she picked it out. She bought it. I mean, he moved the sticks. Um, (laughs) She drove him to the store, pointed it out, drove him home from the store, and wrapped it. And he gives it to her, and she opens it. She pulls off the six inch ribbon curls. She opens very lovingly the beautifully wrapped gold foil paper. She opens the top, and she pulls out the Kmart earrings. And with great tears in her eyes and a huge smile on her face, she says, Oh, Ricky exactly what I wanted. (laughs) How did you know? And then she pulled him up into this huge hug and she cried over him and delighted in her son. Now, in that story, Ricky's mama did everything. But Ricky also gave his all toward that. She prepared the steps for him to walk in, but he was also able to give everything in his heart to his mom, and there was no question of earning that love or doing it wrong. And in the end, and this is what I want you to hear about God as you go into the rest of this week, his mama was overjoyed and proud. And he was wrapped up in love and at rest. And that's what Jesus invites you into. Earning is irrelevant in Jesus' love. Jesus offers you a life where you can give all you have from a place of deep rest and stability. Where life isn't better when you're succeeding and worse when you're failing. No matter what happens this semester, it's real. This is your real life. And you can always come back to it. Okay. Now what I want you to do this week is you have your hand out there. I want you to hold on to it or make it in a note on your phone. And I just want you, if you feel overwhelmed, I just want you to read verse 10 and to ask God to speak to you. Okay, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you Ooh. for letting this room be gracious as I talked for longer than I wanted to. Thank you that you gather us up into your arms. Thank you that you prepare good works for us to walk in. And thank you most of all that you give us new life from the dead. Lord, fill us with your grace, your peace, your power. Help us to come back to you, the one who gives us a real life. I pray, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen.